0: MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFira. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a belly-up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing?
2: LJ, doing all right. Um, Syracuse got a lot of snow the last few days, so certainly not fun as we're just around the corner from April. Also not feeling entirely great. Um, I wouldn't say I'm feeling ten out of ten. But you know, lots of schoolwork and we're pushing through. We're we're getting there. Uh,
0: yeah, you talk about the snow, how much how much you would do you think you got in terms of like inches?
2: Six or seven inches. Uh, six or seven uh,
0: inches in late March, my word. We were yeah, we was... were recording we were recording on March thirtieth. You're gonna have six or seven inches on april 1st
2: um actually no because it's going to be 72 tomorrow so
0: i don't think you're going to get it 72 that's 100 in april fools
2: oh well um
0: but yeah no it's going to be
2: melted by tomorrow i can tell you that will it be
0: melted if
2: it's 72 i think so
0: well but will it be 72 um no honestly we didn't have any snow down here thankfully It has just been brutally cold. I haven't had the heart to actually check what temperature it is, but, like, the same stuff that I've been wearing throughout most of the winter, I freeze going from here to the radio, from my room to the radio station. Like, it's just brutal, and I do not look forward to going out when the sun's not up.
2: Certainly not, no, but, um, let's get into the pod today. We have, um... Not a lot of important things to talk about, but still a few uh, notable news notes, guess is a way to put it. LJ, so the MLB today released something called the Home Run Derby X, and I watched a video introduction for it, and I could not figure it out whatsoever. LJ, do you want to try to explain what, what this is?
0: Yeah. I'll give it a shot. Okay. Basically, it's a a smaller, it's baseball on a smaller field in terms of like width. And you get a point for every home run. And the other team gets a point for every ball that they catch. And then there's also some other rules like you get like five hot swings per batter, where the points for both sides would count double. And Interesting stuff like that. It's teams of five. Teams Teams of four. four. Teams of four. Okay. Teams of four,
2: but only the Yankees have a team that has four. Every other team. Let's not
0: let's not get ahead of ourselves with that because I've got I've got I've got steps to break this down. First, let me start by saying, go go watch the video for yourself. It's again production quality wise worth watching, but I also think this is a really cool idea. Like this is just something different that you can do with the technique and overall the kind of similar feeling, like the vibe of baseball. You have the bat, you still have the ball, you still have a guy hitting a ball with a bat, really. It's just, that's really what you have. But um, you still have those core pieces of baseball in there, right? And it's just a different experience. Great for the regular fan. We then get to the parts that make no sense. Starting with the fact that this is an international tour Brandon, they are bringing this to other non-baseball-watching countries. Look, I understand you're trying to expand the, the game, but how on earth is this the best way to do it? You're going to get them – here's what's going to happen. You're going to go to England, and England's going to fall in love with Home Run Derby X, not baseball. Am I wrong?
2: No, you're you're right.
0: Um... So this is just so counterproductive to growing the game because you're creating – Baseball is literally creating a new sport to us- usurp baseball to take over baseball. Like that's the way I'm seeing this right now. And that just makes no sense. And then Brandon, I look at the rosters, the teams that are going to be going out on this world tour for baseball. And it makes me scratch my head and even more for a variety of reasons. Let me read it out to you. We've got, of course, so this will be a four-team tournament between the Cubs, the Dodgers, Red Sox, and the Yankees. Frankly, I would have probably put the Braves in there over the Cubs if we're talking about like biggest markets in baseball, like biggest fan bases, but that's just me. For the Cubs, you've got uh, Giovanni Soto, then Alex Hugo and Spencer Owen. Then for the Dodgers, Adrian Gonzalez, Ashton Ashton Landsend, and Yuguni Kwok. Excuse me if I pronounced that wrong. Then for the Red Sox, you get Johnny Gomes, Paige Halstead, and Liv Cook. And then the Yankees, the only team with a complete roster right now, Nick Swisher, Stefania Aradilis, Erica Piancastella, and Daniel Coral. There's one common denominator here. There's only one former baseball player on every single one of these teams.
2: Uh actually LJ.
0: One former uh, Major League baseball player on every Yes,
2: team. one former Major League baseball player. These are former Team USA softball players, I believe, make up the majority of the females. Um just a few things here. Um Okay, so it's a world tour, but they only announced three cities that they're going to. what they say? It was Seoul, Mexico City, and London. Okay, so Seoul, South Korea. That's a baseball-watching country. Um, Mexico City, sure, that's, that's pretty good. but
0: Not really, though. Not really a hot spot.
2: It's not a hot spot, but there's still players from, from Mexico.
0: True, true, true. Um,
2: it's not unheard of, but... LJ, this guy Spencer Owen, who's on one of the teams, is, like, a soccer guy. Like, he... <laughs> this guy's a soccer person. He's just a English celebrity. He's, like, a YouTuber. Like, what I is just, what yeah. is the point of, of this exactly? Like, they probably invested a lot of money to do this. And it's, like, why? Like, why not just make this a part of the All-Star game? Like, how the NBA... their all-star weekend
0: they they
2: do some interesting stuff other than the dunk contest no they don't yeah no they they don't do
0: anything interesting the dunk contest died two years ago no other than the
2: dunk contest the three-point shootout's good come on
0: boring everything is painful um i mean legitimately i watched the uh florida state softball team over anything I would would have watched them over anything on that and I love the Florida State softball team but like I shouldn't be pitching picking a regular season beginning of the regular season college sport over the all-star game of a professional league that's pretty sad Just, I'm all for them doing it out of the all-star break I'm all for them doing it in a variety of different cities because you get to kind of go on tour but what I do not understand and I don't like is the fact that you're not marketing your teams. Like, you're not really marketing them other than in the jersey. Because, first off, none of these guys, no disrespect to Nick Swisher, but Nick Swisher is probably the most franchised guy of these guys that they've got going for these teams. Like, don't get me wrong. Giovanni That's-
2: Soto, maybe, for the Cubs? Like, I feel like he was there for a little bit. I mean.
0: Yeah, let me look that up. Giovanni
2: Soto was with the Cubs for eight seasons.
0: Eight seasons. Okay. So maybe he, maybe him. But still, like, he's not like the first, he's not the first Cub you think of.
2: No. When Um, has he been
0: the first Cub you've thought of?
2: They could have got a guy like Alfonso Soriano, Aramis Ramirez. Like, I feel like one of those guys would, it's a home run derby, right? Like,
0: yeah. I mean, realistically, like, there's so many guys that I think you'd think would be willing to do this. And this isn't me trying to take away from the softball players because I'd love to, I'd love to see them get more representation. This will be coming up in the coming weeks, but I do want to have a discussion about why there isn't a bigger professional softball presence in America. It makes no sense to me. However, if you're trying to market your league, you need players from your league in it. And so that's why my thought process, if I was the MLB, is I either load this with former major leaguers that are tied to these teams, or I wait till the the winter and I do it exactly like my home run derby pitch that I've been doing for uh, a couple of years now. I ideally would love to see the league brand themselves and help their marketing by putting together a winter home run derby. I think if you put regionals in different spots, put one in the DR, put one in, well, maybe not Cuba, but like a couple in the U S one in Korea, and stuff, and then do it, I honestly want to see it be like American Idol, but with home runs. So, you get into the stories, you get into the personal, like, the personal connections and everything, like, the way that they really go on, like, the sob stories and, like, the narratives, and they heavily play into that. I want to see the MLB do that, because they don't do a good enough job to begin with, with marketing their stars. They don't do a good enough job of getting people to care about these people's personal lives, these people as people, and that's why they don't do as well as the NBA. I mean, the NBA has turned into an over-glorified soap opera at this point, but at least people know the names. At least people care about what they're saying. When they, these guys say something, it makes headlines. That's not something that baseball has. So you have an opportunity to do exactly what I want them to do here, and they don't by forcing it into, the, into forcing it into the summer and – bringing in B-list stars from your teams at best and then filling in with other certainly qualified people, but not MLB marketing. Like U.S. softball players aren't marketing these MLB teams.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's just a tough thing in general. um, When we talk about the presence that softball does have within just the overall general landscape of sports but um certainly something that we could talk about for quite a long time um look home run derby x like i'm sure it's gonna it's gonna gonna enjoy it
0: but i would enjoy it more with real players like full-on like major league players in it
2: absolutely um but certainly you know it's the first time that they are doing it and i'm sure that if it's a success, they'll they'll keep doing it and make it a bigger and better every year. I mean that that's what you would hope. So, all right, moving on, we want to talk about a guy that has actually not played a professional baseball game uh, since when? Twenty eighteen?
0: No. It's yes. Not been tw- long.
2: 2018 was the last time
0: you're jumping around here buddy i thought we were going to pete fairbanks
2: are we not oh i did i did skip there is an
0: order to this list
2: i i i I like got confused and thought that
0: all right
2: we don't even all right i didn't even spoil it so it's good pete fairbanks
0: dyslexic brandon and Me without my ability to speak just is really running the show into the ground. How have we made it this far?
2: So we wanted to talk about a few injuries that have occurred. And Pete Fairbanks, one of the top relief pitchers for the Tampa Bay Rays, has a partially torn lat. He'll be shut down from throwing for at least six weeks. uh, And then the beat reporter suggested it take another six weeks for him to ramp back up into game shape that seems like a late June early July return for the best case scenario and LJ you know we always talk about how great this this raised bullpen is but they've now lost quite a few uh, pitchers to start the season Uh, Tyler Glass now Nick Anderson Yanni Trinos are all gonna miss significant chunks of the season and one of their top prospects the other day, I saw Shane Baz, he got shut down from throwing um, because, or er, he was shut down because he underwent some arthoscrop- arthroscopic elbow surgery. Um, sure, the Rays still have some names there in the back of the bullpen, guys like Andrew Kittridge, JT Chargois, and they signed Brooks Rayleigh, but... I feel like a raised bullpen that we were always expecting to be really, really good may not be as good as people think this year, especially with the loss of Pete Fairbanks.
0: No, I mean, we talk about, well, Pete Fairbanks, first off, I mean, if we want to overreact, I mean, how many major injuries or not even mid tier injury. Let's call it that like keeping him out month, a month plus. Is this guy going to continue to have at really the prime of his career? I mean he missed a lot of time last year I feel like right as well and so
2: yeah he only done... pitched in 47 games which is really not a lot for a middle of the bullpen guy
0: No and it's not a lot for a raised guy either and so I'm I mean they've certainly been able to figure out how to go without him but I think some of these other guys are bigger hits I think what also doesn't help this team is again you lose a guy like Shane Baz And you've also lost a lot of your veteran depth for your followers or your twice-through-the-order starters. These guys like Michael Watka, Rich Hill, you, of course, trade midseason last year. These guys that were hits for you, the guys that you bring in are partially hurt and then partially also might not be hits that you've got to replace them. And so all of a sudden, I think that's more of an issue. If they can't get quality those first two times through the order, then an already battered bullpen isn't going to be able to do much to help them.
2: Yeah, and I just uh, looked it up. Pete Fairbanks pretty much missed all of April and all of August last year. I mean, two full months out of the season.
0: And again, this guy's looking like he's trending in a really really good direction
2: he's really good he's he's really with
0: all of those injuries we're talking about a 359 era last year with 11.8 strikeouts per nine. like he's got the stuff if he could stay healthy but will these injuries derail that development
2: certainly and you know he's like you said, he is going into the prime of his career. He's got to be 28 years old, and a guy that uh, really pitched well down the stretch in 2020 for the Rays when they when they needed him. They really relied on him a lot, especially when Nick Anderson struggled in the playoffs. The other guy that we wanted to talk about when it. Uh, pertains to injuries and it's such bad timing because LJ literally made a comment about this when we were talking about the Giants on last episode saying you know if we can get these veteran guys like Brandon Bell, Evan Longoria to stay healthy uh, then the Giants are in a really good spot. Unfortunately Evan Longoria is expected to miss six weeks Uh, following a surgery this week to repair a damaged ligament in his right index finger. Uh, It's a tough blow for the Giants, LJ, especially because we saw kind of a resurgence in 2021 for Evan Longoria when it came to the hitting numbers.
0: Oh, I'd I'd say a major resurgence from Evan Longoria. Uh, 124 OPS plus. That's his best OPS plus since 2016, back when he was with the Tampa Bay Rays. And at that time, that was enough with all that he adds to the team in other ways to get him MVP votes. And this is a guy who is regularly an MVP caliber player early on in his career as well. We're talking uh, 1.8 war for this year, but only in 81 games. I talked about it early in the season. I still stood firm with it. I think he ends up at least getting somebody putting him in, that top, in their top 10. I think he definitely ends up with an MVP vote if he was able to stay healthy and contribute to this great Giants team because it just felt like he was the one who was putting them over the top time and time again for this group.
2: Yeah, when, and when he was healthy, you're, you're absolutely right. I remember uh, right at the start of the season, he started off wicked hot, had a really good April, and carried that – uh, through most of may he's started to struggle and regress back to the mean uh you know once he got hurt uh and came back in august i mean, yeah, he got hurt june 5th returned august 14th that's a big chunk of the season to miss but uh yeah. down the stretch he was big and even in the playoffs you know there he had some really good at bats obviously you look at the slash line for the playoffs he had a rough go but Uh, At the end of the day, you know, there's guys that are going to have bad playoff series, and it's the fact that you got there after playing so many games that you can't let a a five-game series stats uh, really tell the whole picture of a guy that contributed so much in the 81 games he did play.
0: Yeah, it's just so sad because, again, we talk about there's two there's two theoretical peaks in guys careers. You either hit it at 28 or in your mid twenties, or you hit it in your mid thirties, or you like kind of hit both. But like, again, those are very rare guys that are able to re- truly reinvent themselves. The Max Scherzers of the world, or the Justin Verlanders of the world. Evan Longoria, I kind of was really hoping, and this is partially me being biased just because I'm, I'm a fan of his, but I was really hoping that this could have been the start of him doing the right thing him getting really modernizing his technique and approach at the plate to the point where he could be a well above average hitter in all-star light third baseman or even all-star in the next couple years at least through this next three or four years that he probably has left in the game but now all of a sudden you look at this his momentum was killed by that injury last year He's now going to have to start with his back against the wall because he's got to make a the lost time probably in his head from having this injury and then you consider the fact that 6 years 100 million dollars that would be a little that's like 19-18 million dollars a year that the team's paying him
2: and this is he's last got, year
0: he's got a, a team option for next year if he doesn't pick, if he doesn't play well enough they won't pick that up. This is a team that really wants to compete, needs to compete because they've got the option to. And I don't think they'll be afraid to drop a guy, especially an aging veteran, who hasn't been on their team for that long to begin with. There's no true emotional connection between San Francisco and Evan Longoria for him right now. So if he doesn't perform to the best of his ability this year because of injury or otherwise, they won't be picking that up. He won't be getting another contract from this team and then all of a sudden you're looking at him paying, playing for much less money next next year or the year after than he, you ever thought he would early last season.
2: And it'll be interesting to see what the Giants do with their lineup configuration as the, their, one of their first basemen, or well, he plays outfield, but I don't know why I just said first baseman, uh, Lamont Wade Jr., late night Lamont. He's going to be out for like the first week or so. I believe there was some bone bruise or something in his knee. Uh, So for the first week, be on the lookout to see what Gabe Kapler's doing with that San Francisco Giants lineup, especially with the addition of Jock Peterson.
1: all right now story
0: that I'm waiting for
1: the story
2: that i was waiting for we're going to be talking about a guy that has not played a professional baseball game since 2018 and his name is andrew tolls lj uh take it away
0: yeah andrew tolls of course this is a guy who started a playoff game was a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I almost at San Francisco Dodgers. G. G where am I? Um, he comes up. Started 20, multiple
2: playoff games.
0: Yes. Start. Started his career in 2016 at age 24 with the Dodgers. Ends up having a really good time of it. Uh, 132 OPS plus his rookie year, and then starts to regress down a little bit. His second season, only able to get into 31 games, about league average, and then the next stint in 2018 didn't go as well well of course he ended up running into some hard times and a while back a video of him sleeping outside in i believe it was in los angeles went viral a little bit as people started to figure out that it was andrew tolls a former dodger well the dodgers have now decided to renew his contract so he can get the proper medical and mental health benefits that he needs Overall, just trim, a tremendous gift to the world from the Dodgers. Just a great thing to do for somebody. It's amazing to see a team actually care so much. Like, this is the right thing to do, and we shouldn't be like, we should celebrate it, but I wish it was an expectation.
2: Yeah, and with how important mental health is now, uh, It's absolutely great that the the Dodgers did do this. I'm reading here on this article that in 2018, he did get diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Um, And then in 2020, he was found sleeping behind the Key West Airport, refused to leave the area, finally got his charges dropped. But uh, they said he continued to kind of just like drift through hospitals, different homeless shelters, uh, and then actually his father finally gained guardianship of him. His father was a former NFL player, uh, back in the eighties, was a first round pick, believe it or not. So really uh I don't wanna say sad because this guy's actually getting the help that he needs, but just really, you know, eye opening story here. Um, that this is a guy that clearly needed help and good on the organization that did employ him uh a few years ago to Uh, allow him to get this help Uh, it's a really great thing
0: yeah especially when like so many of these things it's such it's such a no-brainer for the team too because like not only do you get to help somebody who helped you but there's no there's very little cost very little risk outside of the of course medical stuff that you're bringing him in for nobody owes anyone anyway anything so this is just a it's a great opportunity for everyone involved really great to see
2: Well on to a nice story uh, next Hunter Green of the Cincinnati Reds now this is a guy who he wasn't the first pick in the draft was he second
0: maybe I believe I don't believe he was the first pick.
2: Hunter Green was the second pick of the 2017 MLB draft. And this was a guy, I still have the Sports Illustrated cover hanging up in my room uh, of when they put him on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was only in high school. An extremely hyped up prospect. Uh, Dude can throw over 100 miles an hour. He's a starting pitcher. Uh, 2021, he really had his first great season in the minors in his age 21 season uh, across Double A and Triple A at 106 innings, a 3.72 ERA, and uh, 11.8 strikeouts per nine for a starting pitcher. Really, really impressive. Uh, his walk rate, 3.3 per nine, also not uh, that bad. And
0: for well, it's cin- not bad. That bad. Sorry to interrupt, but it's not that bad, especially when you consider like you look at this guy, and plenty of scouts are looking at this guy, and they're saying. I see plenty of room for him to grow. Like mm-hmm. overall, he still has room. Like they've got a, him as a uh, 60 potential grade in terms of his command. He, he could easily be an above average guy with his command bring these walks down as he continues on in his career. So nobody seems to be concerned with the walk rate, which is a really good sign for a guy who's able to strike out more than 10 batters a game.
2: And when that uh, and when LJ uh, brings up the 60 grade that's on a 80 80 point scale but it starts at 20 so it's between 20 and and 80 if you're in the 60s or high high 50s for anything uh if
0: if you're 15 above it's a skill
2: absolutely and you know you look at this reds starting rotation no more sunny gray remember so they've got tyler molly River San Martin will be their uh, game two starter, a guy who only pitched 11 innings in the bigs last year um, towards the end of the season. And then their number three is Vladimir Gutierrez, who is a guy that was uh, a red starter in 2021, pitched a little over 100 innings. And then Hunter Green, they said, will slot right into that fourth spot. And as of right now, Fangraphs has Nick Lodolo, in the number five spot, and he was the Reds' first-round pick in 2019. So he has also not appeared in the MLB game, but the Reds could have two of their first-round prospects uh, in their starting rotation making their debut uh, this year. That's also
0: two of their top five and two of the top 60 prospects in the league. 2 don't forget.
2: Which, you know, the Reds, I I still project them as to be – one of the worst teams like i, I think that they're like yes. m- maybe a top 25 team i'd probably have them around the 25 area but still a team with a lot of young guys obviously and if you can get someone like Hunter Green to break out it's going to be easy to break out cuz there's not going to be a lot to watch with the reds this year i obviously interested in Jonathan India who won the rookie of the year last year but outside of that uh Reds will not be good, and hopefully these young guys can uh, break out and really uh, show us what they got.
0: No, again, as, as sad as it is to see a team cut payroll like this, it really felt like the right time for them to, especially if they can get good prospects in, in return for this because they kind of have the start of a new core potentially right right around the bend they have four top 100 prospects currently three of them are expected to come up this year and so all of a sudden you've got a group of young guys that you can kind of just easily slide into your lineup where they fit where they're comfortable and get them a lot of time that's going to make you probably more successful in the long run than trying to hold on to dear, for dear life and not developing these guys
2: absolutely and you know, when you look at the spot that the Reds are in, they look at an NL Central that is pretty much a dominated by the Brewers and the Cardinals at pretty much every place you look. It's one of those two teams to win this NL Central. But the Cubs are kind of doing a soft rebuild. The Pirates, I mean, we're gonna, we are not even need to talk about them. So it's like, all right, if there's two teams that clearly have a core – and are a lot better than us, you know. We're not going to screw around and mess with this guy's service time. If he's ready to be in the MLB, let's bring him up and let's show people like, yeah, we have these young players that are really good, and uh, we're trying to build a young core. Also, at least they're not fully rebuilding and just throwing crap out there. Like they're they want to throw their young guys out there, which I think is really good.
0: All right, let's move on to our final topic of the day as we're seeing another return, and that's the return of the City Connect jerseys. Brandon, I wasn't a fan of them for much of the year, eventually warmed up to the look of some of these, particularly the Red Sox one. I think, honestly, the Red Sox one was the most controversial of the ones they released last year. All of a sudden, we, you know, we grew to love it. And now all of a sudden we have these unveiling slowly for this season. And the first one that's really turning heads is the Washington Nationals now have a City Connect jersey. And, ooh, it looks so good, Brandon.
2: It is beautiful. It's got the cherry blossoms on there, LJ. That color scheme is just unreal. Unreal.
0: it's yeah, awesome. So of course, I mean I, of I, course the cherry blossoms are of course you talk about Washington D.C. and of course you're going to talk about the cherry blossoms it's a very uh, big part of the culture of the city of the area and it makes perfect sense for that to be the model of this team's first city connect jersey. Overall it's just it's so it's well done. I've got a couple things I like about it, one thing I don't, but let's start with the fact that just the way that they placed the pink cherry blossoms on the Jersey is very tasteful the way they were able to like, it pops out from the background, but also doesn't look frilly. Like it looks, it's just got a very commanding presence that says beauty without necessarily like femininity, which I think a lot of people just like, you either try to go not even femininity isn't the right word to say, but like a lot of times people try to go too far and go too hard into pink when when little would I think make it actually more meaningful and so that's what you do here you also have if you look close into the photos any of the close-ups you have little prints of the cherry blossom petals in the jersey in like a black and white on the gray
2: yeah and a few of the what's it called us city connect jerseys that I liked from last season uh, I loved the red Marlins jerseys. Those were really nice. And then I think the white socks, they said south side across the front, and it had the white pinstripes with a black jersey. That was really cool. And honestly, I liked the red socks. Those those were, were really clean. Um,
0: I just was... like how meaningful they were too. Again, it's just, it was a little awkward at first because, you know, Marathon Monday, you already have you already have a jersey for that. They're never not going to wear the Boston Strong jerseys ever again. Like that is locked into that day, but for that weekend it worked really well for the end of the season when they decided to make that run in those. Honestly, I think that's that's the immediate turning point for those jerseys for most fans where it went from the majority of people hating it to everyone was buying it was when they made their final playoff push in those. It was fantastic. One more comment on the nationals before I stop um, before I let Brandon keep going. I'm sorry, but um, I just like the fact I'm excited to see these things get dirty. <laughs> like I don't know, maybe it's just the sh- the shade of pink. I think it's honestly no, it's more the gray. When the red clay gets onto that gray, it's gonna look. So good. It's real. I think it's gonna really do those. But on the flip side. My one downside for this jersey is the hat. The hat looks too nice to me. It's very good design. It's
2: too nice.
0: It, it's very good design, but like, it looks like somebody handmade it, which is cool, but also a little odd to be wearing onto a baseball field. And then when that gets dirty, I don't think it's going to translate as well as the jersey, even though it's the same color. Like, it's just not going to have that same feeling for me.
2: No, I'm. I mean. These jerseys are some of the most clean baseball jerseys I think I've seen in quite a while. But it I don't know. It's to bring back in the NBA, you know, you see how all these teams have so many alternate uh jerseys. Every team wears like every color now, like it's dumb. I like how the City Connect at least keeps the color scheme somewhat realistic. Like having the the Brooklyn Nets wear red jerseys, it, it might have been the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> or like the LA Clippers have green jerseys. Like why? What what about those teams? You know has has those uh, colors in them? It just I don't know. It didn't make much sense to me. But you know, would them. Uh, doing that for for Boston and doing it for the marathon. I I really like that. I think that it's you know, it puts some some meaningful thought behind the jersey other than oh, it looks cool.
0: Which is also a big part of it though. I'm but, very pro. I'm pro jerseys that look cool.
2: Absolutely, so am I, but I'm even more pro just not slapping together Random colors, but actually having thought behind the jerseys, uh, I like that a lot. But LJ, kind of a slow day today. Not a lot going on um, in the MLB landscape. The Yankees. Spring I disagree.
0: Training. I mean, I feel like there's plenty, plenty here to talk about. These are big topics. We left some stuff out too. We didn't no, get to talk you're... about. We can briefly mention right now, just for the heck of it. Um, Dexter Fowler gets invited uh signs a minor league deal at the blue jays gets invited to spring training we've got a week left maybe five days max for these teams what the point what point is this where's the what point? what is michael conforto
2: extra- doing that's what i want to know like does does, does he want to play baseball not till june no yeah
0: he's he's the next craig kimbrell in dallas keichel and so no i just like i don't understand it it's just funny because it feels like such a waste of a plane ticket to have him fly down to Florida just to fly back up to Buffalo or Toronto. And he's going to get into what? Maybe two games?
2: Maybe he'll make the team.
0: He's not going to make the team in two days.
2: Well, Chris Archer just signed with the Twins, and they gave him $3.5 million. Uh,
0: yeah, but that's the major league contract. No, I know. Um, um, this, is a ros- this is a non-roster invitee that's going to get a – Handful of days to prove himself, it just seems a little pointless to me. But either way, I think that should wrap us up, right?
2: Yes, it indeed does. We'll be back on Friday to bring you more content, and then Monday and Wednesday, we've got big shows. Monday, we have our top 10 favorite players in the league.
0: Forgot about that.
2: Wednesday, we have our preseason primer where we will be giving you. The over-under for the win totals for all 30 teams. Our award predictions. And our full World Series playoff predictions. I'm excited for next week. LJ, baseball is eight days away. Eight. Eight. When we record Friday, we will be at six. Six. Until then, have a good one.
0: See you. to see and just great overall front office work the other team that i bring up is seattle i think seattle did a great job this year in terms of bringing in value but also bringing in value on a budget i mean this uh trade they did with the reds was the best of both worlds you get the outfielder that you were probably looking at with a guy like chris bryant or like in the third and third base too um you bring in everything that we were talking about chris bryant bringing to the table at a significantly lower price than they ever would have been able to get Chris Bryant for. So overall, I, actually, yeah, I'm gonna go with them. I'll pick Seattle.
2: I have two, uh, well, really three. I mean, I feel like I'm not gonna use them, but the Dodgers would be like kind of a cheap way out. Like, yes, like, sure, they got better. Like, yeah, winner. Um. Minnesota, I liked everything that you said. You're right. You know, they kind of have this really roundabout way for how they get Carlos Correa. But they also get Gio Rochella and Gary Sanchez, who both could be on the trade market again. Really, all three of those guys could be uh, on the trade market once again. If this Twins team sees uh, an opportunity to, you know, trade them for good prospects or what they perceive is good good value why not i mean you already have five top 100 prospects all with an eta of 2022 their top eight prospects according to Fangraphs, are all supposed to be close to the major league level by 2022 so if you see that you have something you want to build towards there's nothing stopping you from Uh, keeping Carlos Correa, and even being the team that extends him again. I mean, there's nothing wrong with anything that they did. I love what the Twins did. I also really like what the Blue Jays did. I think that adding Matt Chapman was a sneaky good move. Sure, a lot of the stats and peripherals aren't exactly there for him, but... For such a short-term deal and the amount of money that he's getting paid, that is the ultimate buy low, sell high move, similar to what they did with Marcus Simeon giving him that one-year deal just a year ago. I really like that, and then, sure, you lose the Cy Young in Robbie Ray, but that was really the first time we'd seen him pitch anywhere close to that you know caliber in his entire career so instead you bring in Kevin Gaussman you bring in Yusei Kikuchi two all-star pitchers and now you have a projected starting rotation of Jose Barrios Kevin Gaussman Hyunjin Ryu Yusei Kikuchi and then a guy like Alec Manoa you've got Nate Pearson coming up So just a lot of names that Toronto has on this roster, not to mention you get a full healthy season of George Springer and another year of Vladdy and Bo Bichette, who are only going to get a better with age, in my opinion. So really liking what Toronto did. Really a lot of the AL teams, LJ, I'd say really saw that they, they needed to get a step up because it seemed like the the NL as a whole last year was much stronger.
0: Oh, sure, sure. And one more honorable mention before we go. San Francisco, yes, you lose Chris Bryant, but like again, there's only so much you can do. More so, I think it's interesting that they were able to replace Kevin Gosman for comparable money. Like and and replace him with a significantly better pitcher in my opinion. Like and that isn't team,
2: it crazy that uh, that that team won what 107 games last year, and we and you could argue that they were that they got significantly better.
0: Yes, overall, especially from like the team that was really really good, which was the team to begin the season. Like even before Chris Bryant, this team was great. And the other thing you talk about too is health. I mean, I know I probably dote on this guy too much, but Evan Longoria wasn't healthy for a lot of the year. A lot of these older veterans they had didn't play full seasons but still had like breakout resurgences so if you can get san francisco healthy this year it's going to be huge
2: brandon belt had 29 homers and 380 plate appearances i mean that's all you need to know if he stays healthy if longoria stays healthy i think that san francisco has a really good chance to get back to the postseason but That is going to do it for today's show. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday uh, to discuss more ongoing news, spring training games, everything that you need to know. But check us out on TikTok at MLB Daily Pod, Twitter the same, and uh, yeah, we'll see you.